Good morning. Happy Monday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. We got a busy Monday coming up. We're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. Uh, this is with Matt. Matt had a question about carries, um, more specifically variations of rack carry, suitcase carry, etc. Um, one of the things that we want to understand about carries is what we're trying to do is manipulate the position of the center of gravity to create a shape change that provides us a favorable influence in regards to recapturing relative motion under certain circumstances. There are certain circumstances where we're just concerned about force production. We actually mentioned this in, in the video in regards to strongman training. Not really concerned about relative motions under those circumstances, but when we are, magnitude of load is going to matter because too much weight, we're going to compress space. Too much weight, we're going to limit the movement of the center of gravity. And so, so we're, we're playing a little bit of a game here in regards to how we're going to shift the center of gravity around. Um, the center of gravity is typically going to rotate as you walk. We're actually going to change the shape and the movement of that center of gravity to help us reacquire relative motions. So Matt, outstanding question. Thank you so much. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I will see you tomorrow. In respect to in respect to the carries, I've been trying to get my head around exactly what's taking place. Aside from, um, <clears throat> let's say, for instance, we're looking at a specific example: left suitcase carry. Mm -hmm. Now, in respect to a left suitcase carry, I'm guessing that anything that is left of of the midline, even if it is in the base of support, is going to promote some degree of IR on the opposing side and and and, and toward ER. And obviously the right. further we we go, we're going to promote more IR on one side, but we will run the risk of a complete orientation in respect to potentially having it sort of too far outside the base of support. Right, because so so you're talking about magnitude of load as an influence here, not just the position, right? Yeah, well, sort of. So I'm thinking that let's say if we took an extreme example and we 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 got a a long bar and we had a weight that was hanging out to our left side, for instance, uh -huh. and and that that's that providing the weight wasn't so heavy that we needed to, you know, lean over soft, lean over in the opposing direction to keep it upright. Yes, we sir. were able to maintain an upright position, then that is going to drive, you know, further and further IR on the right side and further and further ER on the on 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 the left side, providing the load is appropriate and not too heavy. Correct. Okay. So what that's got me thinking about then is when we move to, say, for instance, the difference between a rack carry, a suitcase carry, or uh, an overhead um, waiter's carry, if it's on that side, we're always going to sort of bias a little bit more ER on one side and a little bit more IR on the opposing side. Yes, sir. Um, so my, my question, sort of under, understanding that, when you've got someone who, for instance, is on a right oblique, it's very anteriorly oriented, mm -hmm. they're <clears throat> out on the outer edges of, 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 both, of, of both feet to some extent. Yeah. When, we choose, when I choose a carry, which I would traditionally say, okay, say I'm trying to get that right first med head down, I might look at a left-handed suitcase carry as an op option for that. 
But in that circumstance where I've explained where they're on the outside of both feet, I would run the risk of exacerbating that left-sided foot problem if I chose the suitcase carry. If I chose a weighter's, if I chose a um, a rack carry as an alternative, that would be less detrimental to that left foot position. Yeah, and I get some. Now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So, so you just walked yourself through the process, right? You you you're you're identifying <clears throat> basically where the center of gravity is going to fall based on where you position the load. And that's exactly, yes. that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, so you think about it, it's like, so if, if everything is moving up and away from, up and away from, from the, the middle of the base of support, right? So, so the center of gravity is up and, and again, it's on the, on those lateral aspects and you want to bring it down and in into IR, right? And you do something that, that would bias one side potentially into that space. But because of the load being outside the base of support, you are running the risk of, of exaggerating, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. absolutely right. So you need to do something that's inside of the base of support. Okay. okay. So and we can we can write a whole we so Matt, we can take this concept and we can write a whole program for this person. Yeah. Yeah. Based on based on that principle. We can do explosive work what would be considered explosive work. We can do medicine ball stuff with that. We can do carries with that. We can do um, any number of, of uh, activities on your feet mm -hmm. for that, right? We can, we can get them on the ground. We can roll them around. We can do all this kind of stuff as long as you understand that principle. So the question, the follow-up for that, based on that same carry, the effectiveness of using that same carry left, so right, the, the presentation we've got, Left side rack carry upstairs. Yep. You said left side rack carry what? Upstairs. I don't understand. Moving upstairs, up a staircase. Oh, oh, side. oh, you're literally going upstairs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You could do that. Okay. What's the advantage? What's the advantage? center of mass on that left so they can keep their essentially particularly very anteriorly oriented they can get their rib cage back over their hips get their weight a little bit further back while they're moving upstairs mm -hmm. um that will that will also make that um right foot well i was initially going to hey, say i got a question for you I, let me let me let me simplify yeah okay what, what is going up, up, like if you're, let, let's just take the stairs out of it for a sec. Let's just make oh. it walking up an incline. Okay. Well, it's walking it's going up the stairs, right? Walking up an incline, they're not going to need as much IR on that right leg every time. What's it going to prevent you from doing? What is, what is going up an incline prevent you from doing? Well, it's going to slow the tip. It, well, it, it's going to stop you from leaning forward. And, or, um, oh, 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 oh. Okay. So here's what I want you to do, Matt. I want you to carry a weight. And I want you to walk up an incline and lean backwards and then tell me how great this goes. Well, <laughs> well it's not going to get you to lean backwards, but it's going to make you stay upright. It, it's okay. It's going to prevent you from leaning backwards, which would be, be driving more of the compensatory IR strategy. Hmm. Why do we do a front foot elevated split squat? 
slow the tibia down moving well, over the what, where's your center of gravity where's your center of gravity center of gravity when you step up be... where's your center of gravity center center of gravity is back it stays it stays it stays back a little bit doesn't it yeah 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 so so you're gonna you're gonna promote you're gonna promote the expansive strategy that you want to create the delay by going up Right, so so we we put you on a front foot elevated split squat because that's going up the stairs, isn't it? It's like when you step up onto a step, right? Yeah. You're 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 promoting the delay, aren't you? Yeah, it slows it, it, it slows everything down. But the one that it's just got me thinking then with that right foot when that right foot goes up the stairs with the kettlebell in that in that left hand, uh-huh. or that's going to. It's going to slow down that the the you know the, the the transition over that internal rotation on that on that right side is yes as, as it's going to it's going to increase the duration that you're in internal rotation yeah and it's going to prolong the the application of the IR force that's what you want mm. okay mm. so so you're so you're holding the weight in in a left rack okay yeah. All right. In in what directions does your center of gravity move? In what directions? Yes, sir. Okay. So in a in a left rack carry, yep. I'm gonna get posterior left uh, expansion on the uh, torso. Which which, so, which does what? Which does what to your center of gravity? Well, it's going to push my center of gravity back on the left. Awesome. But now you're also carrying the weight in your left hand. So where else does it go? Well, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, if it's, well, it's inside my base, inside my base of support. Yep. So, yep. I'm just, all I'm thinking is. Simple question. Simple question. If I put a weight in your left hand, you got two options. Yeah. Either you're going to tip over to the left or you're going to respond oh, to the right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so if you, if you get the load correct, you create the delay strategy on the left side, which is superimposition of IR on ER. Okay. Superimposition of IR on ER. You understand? On yeah. the other side, on the other side, you're increasing the duration that you're in middle. Yeah. Do you see? Do you see the combination of factors? So both of them are going to superimpose an internal rotation because number one, you're adding load. Where you add the load is going to determine what the strategies will be. But the two strategies, like they're not exactly the same. They both are going to superimpose IR. One is going to one is going to superimpose the IR on the ER. The other one is going to compress the space on the other side and promote more IR, less ER. Do you see the difference? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Mm. So very, think about some of the moving parts there, actually. That's, okay. that's interesting. Matt. So here you go, boss. Here you go. Um, you're standing on the ground. Yeah. And you, you look down between your feet and there's a green dot on the floor. So your feet make a square. You understand? Okay. That green dot is your center of gravity. Right. Mm-hmm. And so every time you, you take a step, that green dot's going to have to move with you. And then where you place the load is going to control how far and how fast that dot moves into, into 
different directions. So under normal circumstances, your center of gravity moves like an S curve on the ground. Like if you were, if you were to, if you could shoot a, a beam of light out of your hoo-ha, right at the bottom. Okay. That's a technical term, Ian, right? If you could point it straight down at the ground, right? Okay. And, and you're walking around the, along the ground, it forms an S curve. But if you put a load in there, that S curve is going to start to change shape. Okay. So you're going to get a delay on, on the left side and you're going to get a lot of uh, almost a horizontal ish representation of IR. So it's going to sort of create a limping S curve, but that's what you want under the circumstance. Cause you're trying to promote a certain mm. shape. You're trying to promote a certain muscular behavior. You follow? Yeah. Yeah. That no, green like dot, that, the way that green dot moves tells you the response to the position and to the load. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But but this is also why you have to get the magnitude of load correct, because too much weight, and you're going to stick yourself way over on one side, and you're never going to capture the element that you want. So so if I give you a like, let's just say it's like okay, strongman style suitcase carry, right? Yeah. They're not concerned about capturing ERs and IRs. They're concerned about the most load that they can carry, right? Okay, but put it in one hand for them. And you see the kind of lean over, and then they'll even throw the other arm up this way, right? To, as a counterbalance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you understand what I'm saying? It's like the load is literally dragging along the outside of their leg because it's so heavy and they can't. So, so that's somebody that can't shift their center of gravity away. You just created a massive downforce into that leg. And then you, you picked up almost the other foot, like the right foot when it's on the ground is very, very light on the ground. The left foot becomes super, super heavy on the ground. That's the exact opposite of what we're talking about because the magnitude of load took them outside of their base of support. And so they have to create a counter uh, pos a position that gives them enough counterweight to offset that load. You see it? Yeah. 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 So, so again, it's like, it's like magnitude of load matters, position matters, activity matters. So you just put all those pieces together and then that's how you follow it. But, but again, if you use the, the green dot analogy, it's going to kind of tell you where your center of gravity is shifting relative to the position of the load. Okay. What, what do you think Bill about getting some um, underwear on it with the Phoenix on the front and maybe like a green like a, a, a green <laughs> and it down the middle. I, it, it, I'm a little afraid, actually. To <laughs> <laughs> on that, I get uh, it. I get it. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I am. I, I have a. I have moments of creativity. I just don't know if I can pull that one off, man. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Busy Tuesday coming up. Uh, quick housekeeping item. The intensive 19. Um, I'm going to lock those dates in probably by the end of the week. It'll be in September, probably later in September. So be checking your calendars for that. Um, applications would open to those of, of you on the mentorship list. Um, you can go to any any post on BillHartmanPT.com. At the end of those posts is a place where you can get on that list so you are first notified and get first dibs on application for the intensive 19. Okay, digging into today's Q&A. This is with Manuel. 
Manuel had a question in comparing a, the so-called back extension exercise, which is really um, by traditional representation, it would probably be more of a hip-oriented uh, activity um, in comparison to the reverse hyper, um, also probably misnamed um, and misapplied. Um, one representation is an early representation of internal rotation. The other is a representation of late internal rotation, um, both misused, both misapplied and, and, and poorly executed. Um, so there is a video on YouTube where we do discuss the reverse hyperactivity. So please go to that for any, any uh, technical understanding that you may need. Um, but this is a great discussion as far as how you might apply these two activities at certain times. And then we move it actually um, into a weightlifting perspective. So Manuel's a weightlifting coach. So we talk about where we would actually apply each of those activities to enhance our ability to perform the Olympic lifts. So thank you, Manuel, for this question. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I will see you tomorrow. <clears throat> Manuel, the beard is looking strong, by the way. I know. I feel like Austin a little bit. It is. Know? It is. It is. Uh, it is thick and well kempt. So yeah. Nice. So nice work. work. Nice work. <laughs> right. so, um, my question is: um, I was I was thinking about back extensions and reverse hypers, and huh? I was wondering: um, would you say that the um, you know with a with a back extension that the IR is coming from the top down? so that it would be more of a later representation compared to a reverse hyper where the weight Correct. is loaded Correct. earlier. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yeah. There's a little bit of a difference there um, in, in the application for sure, yeah. Uh, because you know, think about it, it's like, like when you do the reverse hyper, um, um, you just don't have the ability to drive as much proximal to distal force. So, so it doesn't go through like it, with the uh, with the back extension um, element, because of the uh, the foot plate, mm -hmm. you're able to deliver more more force under that circumstance, for sure. Right. Yeah. So, what what do you think is the um, if you were to if you were to hold them at you know parallel? So like you you know you're at you're you're flat you know with a back extension or your legs okay. are up on a reverse uh -huh. hyper. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And you're doing the, the perturbations kind of like what you did with the glute ham. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're still, you're still driving IR in the, from the top down on the back extension and uh, bottom up in the reverse hyper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, it's, it's very, it, 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 you've got, you've always got force going in, in both directions, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you, you're applying a load. But when, when you look at the bias of the direction of the, of the energy, that's what we're talking about. But yeah, for sure. And, and again, both, both useful at a certain time and place, right? If it's, if it's executed appropriately. Right. Because um, so, you, you can turn both those exercises into nightmares for people. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, I was kind of... I, could you go more into the the benefits or uh, of each one in terms of? Um, you mean like the early representation of, of ER or, or uh, IR versus um, the late representation of IR? I mean, is that is that what we're? Yes. I get, go ahead. Sure. That, yeah. So okay. So 
use the finish the 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 as you said the the uh, straight position mm-hmm. okay that is that is ir right when you mm-hmm. in a perfect world that would be ir okay most people end up doing it in in an er representation which is the mistake which is the problem they reinforce um, when we're talking about movement capabilities from a performance standpoint if you were if you were a sumo deadlifter and I was going to put you on a back extension or, or a reverse hyper, I would teach you how to finish in ER because that's where they're going to end up finishing their pulls. Um, but, um, but generally speaking, you're going to want to finish those activities um, in, in IR, right? So if I was trying to teach somebody, like the, the late representation of IR is forced into the ground below your center of gravity, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that would be a back extension activity. And then again, making sure that they can deliver that in the IR representation. Um, this, is, this is one of those benefits of like um, um, something like a, uh, uh, like a, like a Nordic, mm-hmm. okay? Um, what, what the Nordic provides is the proximal shape change in the pelvis into an IR representation. Um, when people make start to make ground contact, they can actually shape change into IR so they can start start capturing the force into the ground. Because if they try to do that in ER, they tend to get a hamstring strain, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and so um, the what the, what the reverse hyper will do is that is an that is the earlier representation. So that's the IR that's coming up, right? So so I'm trying to hold the the IR position um, as your um, internally rotating the hip, right? Mm-hmm. And not turning it outward into ER. So that's to position the pelvis. So in that early phase, so when I'm trying to capture the initial internal rotation, right? So if you get somebody that, if we were to look at a table test, that would be somebody that would not have traditional hip IR available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a, a great way to, to um, um, do it is actually one leg at a time under that circumstance, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, talking about that. So I would, yeah. Cause I was thinking, you know, if you, you given the, the one would be earlier and one would be later mm-hmm. that they could be, that it could be a progression from one to the next. So you could like start on a reverse hyper. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So okay. So, so can I ask you a test question? Sure. Okay, under under most circumstances, what would you lead with? Would you lead with the reverse hyper or would you lead with the back extension? The reverse hyper. There you go. Real simple. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Useful. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, especially uh, for the population that I deal with, you know, I was just, uh, you know, thinking about ways to, to get that kind of early IR. Um, you know, so that they can do more efficient extensions, more efficient pulls, you know, and, and also just get into better squat positions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially that, that I, I tell you what, that moment. Um, so um, right before the second pull, mm-hmm. right before the second pull. Okay. Reverse hypers. You get somebody, you get somebody that, um, you know this, you, and you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, they get to the second pull, 
and you could drive a small vehicle between their knees because they they're turned out so much mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about right Mm -hmm. It's like that doesn't mean that they're not good lifters as far as the result is concerned. It's just, but when you talk about their execution, it's like the people that are really exaggerated into that ER representation. Um, if you if you want to impact their second pull capabilities and their IR force, that that would be the time to use the reverse hyper versus the back extension mm -hmm. because. They're not capturing the the early IR position before. So then again, it's like right before the pull because the second pull is proximal to distal. The position, right, for them to get into it, is early. Mm -hmm. So and then so we're talking right above the knee, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. You see, and I and I like if you. I, I know you you like you can feel the lift like you watch somebody do the lift and you feel what they're doing you know what I mean that's why I call it exercise empathy it's like you have that because the the number of times that you have seen it and done it it's like you know exactly what they're feeling under the circumstance and that's how you communicate with them mm -hmm. and so so you can tell it's like it's like right before they apply that 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 impulse to the ground at the second pull, it's like that position is going to determine your exercise selection. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause you, cause you do the right one at the right time. You get a great result. You do the wrong one at the wrong time. It's like, eh. mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good question. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Today is Wednesday. That means tomorrow, Thursday, coffee and coaches conference call 6 a.m. as usual, as we do every Thursday. I think this is call number 112 since I started numbering them. So we've been doing this for a while, getting pretty good at it, having a great time with them. Great people. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. Please join us for some great Q&A. Okay. Digging into today's Q&A. Um, this is with Cameron, and this is this is sort of the back end of, of part of a conversation. If you go to like, I think it was Monday's video where we're talking about a box squat solution. This kind of followed this, and this is a little bit different. So this is it starts out a little bit mechanical, and then we get into a little bit of conceptual. And and so one of the issues uh, that that people run into is is the perspective on on constraints. And so so we all have constraints in regards to what movements we have available to us. And I think that if you start to look at this a little bit differently and saying, oh, this is how the constraints behave, rather than looking at it, it's like, oh, these constraints are a limitation, I think we start to move um, in a much better direction when we're working with individuals as far as they're uh, re restoring their movement capabilities. Um, again, looking at constraints from a little bit different perspective is, is, is such a powerful thing. I am going to make a book re recommendation. This is a beautiful constraint. Um, yeah, a beautiful constraint. I uh, read this quite a long time ago. Um, very, very powerful in regards to perspective. So there's a lot of things that we have to do is in, in regards to understanding constraints. And then what questions do we ask because of those constraints? And then that leads us in our process. And so it's no different when we're working with a, with a human being, when we're trying to restore movement capabilities or raise performance. We just have to understand the constraints so much better. This is why I talk funny. This is why... Um, I use what I would consider useful jargon. When I talk about propulsion, 
the reason I can talk about propulsion is because propulsion is, is established by the rules, by the constraints. Um, rather than looking at things as separate as looking at rolling is something different from walking, it's actually not. It's actually moving forward through space, forward through space, propulsion. That's why we tend to use the, the terminology that we do. So again, read the book, watch the video. Thank you, Cameron, for your question. Outstanding um, and very helpful. Everybody have an outstanding Wednesday, and I will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Coffee and Coaches Conference Call. Thank you. Say what? So if he's, so if the person right foot back and they're coming to sit down, so they're like yielding as they come up. So you're saying if, if they, if they're within a range of motion, a space that they can control as they go to push down on the right foot to come back up again, because you're basically just trying to cat, you're just, that, that'd be like a, like a proximal to distal. Yes. Put it. So, okay. it's, so hang on. So they sit down, they sit down, right? They sit down with an early IR representation. They stand up with a late. IR representation. Yeah. Yeah. But you but you but you keep them within you so you start them within a range that they have available to them. Okay. Right. Cameron, why do you put somebody in hook lying instead of like a like a like a full supine cross connect first? They don't have anywhere near that. They don't have an available space. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. It's like, okay, so what I did is I took a hook lying representation, okay? And I just stood them up and I said, "Okay, here's your hook lying Right, right. With your right foot contact, cross connect. That's all it is. It's all the same right. stuff. It's all the same. Or sort stuff. of, would be sort of like a like a short arc roll then, I guess. Right, if they're coming down and then they're yielding and then just like pushing back up again. Say say it one more time. Sorry. So or it'd be sort of like a short arc rolling, like as they sit down, they're sort of like yielding. Dude, why do you think this? Why is this any different? It's not different. It's all the same thing. Okay, technical technical uh, aside. Hmm. Why do I always, why do I use the, the term propulsion? Um, why don't I, I say, don't why don't I say, <laughs> people, people, people will talk to me, they go, what about gate? And I, it's like, and I just, I talk about propulsion hmm. instead because, because everything is the same. It's like the rules are just a form of propulsion. Why? Because that's exactly the same strategy that I'm going to use when I get off the box and I'm pushing through the single leg. It's the same strategy that I'm going to use when I'm taking a step forward and pushing through the ground. It's all the same stuff. So it's like, so the, the, the box squat that we just gave Alec, okay, is a form of propulsion. Walking is a form of propulsion. Rolling is a form of propulsion. They follow the exact same rules. What do you think a low oblique sit is, dude? It is a it is a shortened representation of a roll, yep. which is a representation of a step forward, which is a representation of a step up. Which it you see it? It's all the same. You only have so many options. Look at look. My constraints are fixed, dude. It's like I only have a, I only have so many ways that I can move through space. Guess what? I'm going to use the exact same strategies under all circumstances. As if I had full full availability of all of my movement options, I'm going to use the same strategies. You just got to see it based on the orientation of the body relative to gravity as to where those show up. Do you see it? Yeah, I guess I finally just understood what you mean when you say come bring it back in like an earlier an earlier IR if they're if they're a wide in that situation. Where I feel like I've always been trying to think of like, oh, let's get this counter-nutation, get expansion everywhere. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Because <laughs> it's, it's the wrong, that's why it's, it's, the wrong it's the wrong place to expand. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that 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 I might have to work on the sacral base expansion on a wide ISA. Right. Okay, because they have it too. It's mm -hmm. just a smaller representation than it would be on somebody that would be like a narrow ISA that has a much stronger bias under that circumstance. Yep. But when you talk about the process of moving the center of gravity through space in regards to controlling forces, we know that, the, that we're going to see this oblique orientation. I know where the center of gravity is going to go. I know where they're going to end up because I know that because there's only so many options that are available. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to take 30 seconds. I'm going to take 30 seconds. I'm going to show you how universal this principle is. Okay. Um, music. Okay. Um, I sing. Okay. That's my thing. I sing. And um, I wrote a song. And I can't play the music that underlies the song, but I can sing the melody. Mm -hmm. I, I gave the melody to uh, my friend who is an amazing musician. And, and, and he goes, oh, I got it. Like I literally, like he just, he just heard the song and he knew what to play underneath it. And I said, how did you know? How did you know? He goes, he goes there's only so many options that are available. And he goes, he goes, so right away, he goes, you just know what to play. He goes, because I can't play outside of the of these options, right? Or it doesn't fit. Same thing. Same thing. You only have so many options available. And so you're going to use those options in combination with the context of the activity. It's the same. Like this is a universal principle. It's like as long as you understand the constraints, there are only so many options available. You do not have unlimited constraints. The archetypes represent constraints. There's only so many behaviors that each archetype has available to them. They only have so many strategies available to them. That's the value. That's the value. Because if you see if you see everybody as the same or you, you, you don't see the similarities, then you get lost because you think that everybody's Everybody's different to a certain degree. There's no question about that. Like we get this broad range, but we, we, if we can categorize them, then that becomes helpful because then we understand what the constraints mean and, the, and we understand what the limited options are. And then that guides us in process. Yeah. You'll still be wrong. But you'll be right more often. That's the goal, right? Okay. Do you have a light bulb moment there, Cameron? I did, yeah. When you're just, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, good. I get really excited when the light bulb goes off. And that goes well, those, those are great. Those, trust me, dude. Trust me. It's like, uh, uh, yeah, I throw internal parties on a regular basis um, when when I get on a roll, and then the rest of the time I'm just miserable and sad. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm in <laughs> similar company. <now. laughs> good morning. Happy. Thursday, I have NeuroCoffee in hand, and it is perfect that Manuel is up first. Morning, Bill. Greetings. So, at a, I, I was kind of, I was questioning uh, some cues that I've, you know, picked up over the years, like in powerlifting and weightlifting, and trying to kind of translate them 
into this model. Um, one of the cues that I was thinking about was, um, you know, uh, pulling your shoulders back and down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you hear that on everything for bench, deadlift, squat, you know, uh -huh. it's always shoulders back and down. And, you know, uh, I was thinking, you know, based on how, if, you know, if we're looking at the shoulder, you know, as, as like the hip and we have the, the internal rotation, the external rotation that doesn't really move that way. Um, in terms of the back and down, because I was trying to do this myself. You're talking about the hip itself? No, I was talking about like trying to do, pull my shoulders back and down. Um, oh, oh, oh. That, okay. that something else is moving, you know? So um, I thought that, um, you know, when we're pulling back, you know, you have DR compression in that area Absolutely. and that's what's orienting the scapula back. But to go down, it felt more like it was more orientation probably at, T5, T6 area. So it was more spine rather than the actual scapula moving down. And I was wondering what you, what your thoughts about are that cue and if if that's what I'm what I'm feeling is correct. Well, so the the whole the whole premise behind it is to take away movement. Right. So so that's the thing, that's the first thing to recognize is that is that what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a a single piece. Right, you're trying to take all of these parts and jam it into one piece and a very specific shape that increases the compressive strategy because you need that to produce force. So right. that's so that's the first step. Like like just that understanding alone, it's like, yeah, you're not trying to gain motion here under these circumstances. We're we're trying to produce force, and so we have to minimize minimize the the degree of motion. As far as like where um, you're you're producing this. Um, take your pick because again, if you're trying to, to, to move everything into a single piece, um, the, the, the shape that if, if you look at the extremes, all you got to do is like, you know, find a video on YouTube or something like where somebody's trying to teach bench press, everybody's is biasing themselves towards the extreme powerlifting style, right? Mm. Where they're going to try to create the world's biggest arch. Um, again, just to, to increase the, the greatest degree of compression. If you look at where the scapula would typically rest, so the resting position is typically described between T2 and uh, T7. Mm -hmm. so, you, so it covers, give or take, five segments. So, you know, five, five ribs, five uh, vertebra. And so whatever the scapulae are compressed against then becomes the stiffest representation and so if you're if you're able to um, uh, retract and depress um, you're probably going to be probably no lower than t8 as far as where you're going to compress the scapula however think of all the musculature then you can concentrically orient under that circumstance that becomes a single piece as well so you know, like I said, as far as localizing it, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it, it, it may be, you know, one of those exercises in futility to try to try to narrow it down. I don't think it's like I said, I, I think when you depress the scapula actively, I don't think you can go much past, you know, another level, so to speak. And mm -hmm. then you think about where you would want the greatest degree of compression, um, you know, posteriorly you're you're going to close off the posterior lower mm -hmm. right you're going to compress that so you've got musculature that's going to compress that then you've got the scapulae 
directly above that. So, you know, and again, I, I would I would say that you're 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 trying to create a single immovable entity under those circumstances. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, I've been trying to move away from the you know the the, the retraction, depression, and upward and downward rotation. Yeah. As well, or at least trying trying to you know superimpose the model onto onto those kinds of movements. If you can speak both languages, you've got superpowers. So keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's Important. that's where my question don't, arose. Don't, don't negate it just be, you know because it's incoherent. But yeah, make sure you can. Is is like you speak multiple languages, right, young man? Yes. Yes. So there you go. Does that give you a superpower? It helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like think about it. it's like like whether you're in Brazil or Spain, I'm I'm thinking that you're probably doing okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So so just make sure you can speak both languages. I'm I'm almost done. <laughs> So that um, you know, one application of that that I had. Can you guys figure out what you want to watch? Hey, Michael, can you can you mute please, please? Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So then, um, you know, one application I I was thinking about was uh, overhead pressing, and um, you know, I, I I know we've talked about narrows orienting uh, from the top down and. Uh -huh wides from the bottom up yep so one of the things i've noticed as i've been going through you know some footage and uh videos and whatnot that i've that i've taken is that i noticed that uh when narrows are, are pressing a heavy weight overhead they'll tend to uh you know you'll tend to see that bend in that uh what is that that the lower revs like t t11 12 like and you'll see the rib flare and them pushing out you know, forward, forward mm -hmm. as they as they try to press. Yeah. Um, sometimes they can keep the lower body uh, level. Sometimes they'll anteriorly orient. Whereas um, what I've noticed in the wides is they'll bend more at the you know they'll anteriorly orient the pelvis and they'll still arch, but they're not. I don't see that bend at the T11, 12 as much. I see more of a, like a like a leaning back kind of right. Yeah, and I was wondering if that's if that would be accurate because yep. they're both trying to also do the same thing with their shoulders as in terms of pushing right. So so down. if you if you so uh, if you get like a, a profile view, yeah, um, and and so you can see the position of the load, and so what you're going to have to have so in a, in a in an ideal situation, you would have the 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 mass of the load equally. Or, or position so that you have an equal distribution of expansion on either side mm -hmm. of the of the load. So it, there's a um, and again I always default to Lu Jajun because it's it's easy to see it. Um, he's got a, a, a it's I think he's at the bottom of a snatch. Yes, mm -hmm. he's at the bottom of a snatch, and you can see like the the shape of the spine. So you can see the expansion on one side, the expansion on the other, and then the two compressive strategies. In, in this alternating fashion, so he can hold the mass out like, like so he's an equal distribution of mass and an equal distribution of pressures on on if we we're looking at profile, we'd say both sides, like the front and the back. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to try to do the same thing based on their on their physical structure. And so you, so you're right, like you're going to see um, if you were to just use like a like a neck representation. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the 
you'll see the the those that that would be biased more towards like a narrow representation. They they tend to drive a lot more forward head, whereas the Ys will tend to push the thorax forward more. It it takes their head backwards, and mm -hmm. then they end up doing something like that, right? They do like a military posture where they're pulling their chin in. Right. So they're getting the compression here, whereas the narrows will tend to kind of push their head through the window, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, I've noticed that as well. So I'll uh, I'll notice that as they're as they're hitting like the sticking point overhead, yes. the narrows will tend to be more trying to push forward, whereas the wides are still kind of they're yeah. either, like you said, military neck or they're whipping it back. Yeah. Yeah. So completely. what that is, is actually the spine going forward beneath it. Mm. Right. So it's not the head going back. They're tr they're trying to get the thorax to go forward, right? So gotcha. think about it. If I if what it it's 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 harder to see anti orientation in the thorax than it is in the pelvis, right? Because you got some some more movable parts. But that's basically what they're doing is they're trying to anteriorly orient the thorax. So so they're pushing this forward so the head goes back. So they're not pushing the head back like this. They would fall backwards if it was a head movement. They would fall backwards. Gotcha. Right? So they're pushing the thorax forward and then holding the head fixed in space, mm -hmm. right? You see it? So they're they're just following they're following that that principle that, that you expressed. It's like okay, the narrows are going to go from the top down, and the and the wides are going to go from the bottom up. That's all they're doing is demonstrating that. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, no, that's cool because I, I was yeah. seeing this and I was you know trying to derive. Some no, you're on point. You're on point. You got it. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Morning, Bill. <clears throat> I um, I just wanted to follow up a little bit in respect to the IFAST post that I put on there with my little uh, my friend who's got that um, pretty significant left turn going on when he's uh, on the bench press and okay, and pretty yeah. Else, um, now just to uh, clarify, am I free to share that, Matt? Yeah, 100%, yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Okay, go keep talking. I'm, I'm going to go find it. Yeah, okay. So just a, a clarifying point that uh, Ian picked up on there for me, and I just want to make sure I've got – I think I've got this sorted in my mind, but I'll run through it. So initially I was under the impression that maybe he didn't have a posterior lower left uh, compression at the bottom there because he was – I thought that he was moving back to the left on the, on the deadlift hinge and had that area have been compressed, then that would have seen him move – to the right rather than move to the left. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it's just occurred to me fairly recently that uh, I think that if he has a posterior lower left compression there as, as well, then he simply, um, as Ian pointed out, that his starting condition would mean that he's already turned to the left and then as he moves back, he moves back as one unit just in, the direct, in, in that direction uh, yeah. So he's hit just that that that's basically the difference. Whereas if if he if he didn't have that compression, then we would see him pre present relatively square at the hip, and then when he moved back, he would move into that position as opposed to just moving back as one one full piece. Is that the defining point between those two? I, I don't think I'm clear on when you're saying moving back into that position. Okay, so when. The, the the video that I was referencing initially was your left and right squat video where oh you, I got gotcha. you uh huh yeah uh huh yes yep okay now I understand now I understand yeah. so so as he let so if you look at this picture here yep 
Yeah, uh, let me see if let me see if I can blow this up. Yeah, there we go. All right. Can you see like just look at the lower extremities? Yeah. So he's PRing the hell out of that left leg. Yeah. Uh you could say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so think about so so his his late representation is on the left side. Like, like yeah. he's already there. And so <clears throat> even though uh, his, uh, Manuel, is this, a, is this a positive or a negative hat sign? Positive. <laughs> <laughs> so even though his hat is facing a certain direction, we can't rely on that as a representation <laughs> of anything that's going on here because he's moving around on the bench. But, but what I want you to understand is that, is that he, is he is literally facing, he is facing up and to the, to the right. Okay. Yeah. That's what, the, so that's what that ER is. So it's like the ER is not pulling him in that direction. He's actually pushing no. himself away from that direction. So, so his spine and his sacrum are oriented. So they are facing up and to the right. Yeah. As yeah. he is executing this. I get that. Yeah. I get that. So, so that would be, so that would be somebody that if they were squatting, it would look like they were going down into the left. Yeah. And you would see, you would see his, again, you would see this same orientation of the lower extremities in a squat because he, what, what happens when, when, when they push the left side forward, that, that uh, the left knee is going to point um, out and to the left, which is the turn, right? So what's the defining characteristic when we're looking at it from here, just so I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little confused on this on the left shift video that you that that you went through the the uh the sequence with the pelvis and and explained that you know they've got <clears throat> a narrow isa so they've got they've got a compression at the at the uh apex of the sacrum naturally and then they've acquired a a compression at the uh posterior uh left but at the base of the sacrum which is starting yep. to turn the spine to the right yep. but they still they still had a availability or, or an open space, if you like, or some ER room in the posterior lower left. So when that was on the left shift video that, that you had. Um, so it's had not a space. It's the fact that it's just facing that direction. So, so his straight ahead. Okay. Can you see that his eyes are up and to the right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's where he's trying to make everything go. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he's looking in that direction because that's where he wants everything to go. And you can see that that this left hand relative to the ground, his left hand is higher. And all that is, is him. He's, he's literally showing you, here's my strategy to push everything forward. Right? Yeah, he's just turning, turning away from it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. He, again. And, and so the whole the whole left side is following suit. Right. It's the exact same strategy all the way down. So he's got a left posterior lower compressive strategy he's he's using a late representation so the left sacral base is getting pushed forward on the left side which would yeah. which would promote the the turn away his dr is doing the same thing his his upper cervical spine is doing the same thing yeah yeah well that, that's sort of what i that's what i thought but when i watched the left shift video specifically that left shift video on the squat um I, I, I don't know whether you remember it in detail, but I couldn't uh, understand. I don't, I don't remember what I did yesterday, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I might have to try and dig that up so I can get a, 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 get a, a, a direct point of reference. But what I was getting confused with was that I think you referenced it in, in actually in noticing the difference between um, end range hip flexion and uh, straight leg raise. 
and how you that the, the person in question had preserved a straight leg raise but had lost enraged hip flexion. And that, that was indicating that they didn't have that lower posterior compression at that point. Is that ringing okay, a bell? So, so hang on. So, so, so here's what happens um, when, when, you, when you've got a straight leg raise, but, but the, the hip flexion is limited. So what that means is, so when you did the straight leg raise, when you raise the leg up, he just turned into his current strategy. So this strategy that you're seeing on the bench press, he will do it when you lay, raise his left leg up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I haven't actually done that on this guy, but it was the, the that was the reference you made in the, right. in the video. Okay. So, that. so now that, so, so when you bend, when you bend the hip and the knee, yeah, displacing weight over the hip. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which in a, in a perfect world um, that that should put load into the, into the table. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but he's not, he's not turning back to the table. And then, so that would limit the, the hip flexion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I just, I went, when I looked at the video and it talked about the, it talked about having room back there and it sounded like the, the rest of the description about shifting left in the squat and all the rest of it sounded bang on to what I had here. And I, I, that's, that's where I sort of came up with the idea that perhaps he doesn't have it at that lower point and he only had it. I, I don't think, I don't think he has much space. In yeah. I agree with you. He's quite, he, he defaults to a, an anterior orientation at every available opportunity as well. So put him in a push-up position he's or, or anything of that nature, he's dumping straight in, yeah. straight IR of the spine. So, um, yeah, all right, cool. Um, there was one other thing in respect to the same series of photos. Uh, the red, the, the on the diagram that you mocked up with the red, uh, the red line on the right leg was that just just demonstrate just to highlight the differences between the two. There was no. Yeah, I just wanted. To, I wanted just. I wanted to see the ER orientation. Um, yeah. Do I have that? Yeah, it'd be in the comments, I think. Hang on. It's in the. In there somewhere. Right there. In the section directly below the post, I think it is. Right there. Oh, yeah, the one above. There it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's so for tips. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Let's no see the, the orientation. Okay. Yep. Do you mind going in a little tiny bit or two uh, if Manuel wants to pop in there about the the bit that he was um, talking about in respect to the head position and the um, the the spine? Uh, yeah. Let's go back to follow up on that now. Yeah, well, I, I was asking if there was a transitional segment at the T1 junction. Uh, it's compressed. So, so um, you, you would see this um, narrow ISA overhead press. Mm -hmm. You've seen the same turn, right? Mm -hmm. Where they, they, they're pushing the left side harder, right? They're gonna push the left side harder forward and you'll see the same kind of a head orientation where they're gonna kind of do that because they're they're compressing the, the left DR forward, right? Mm -hmm. And so you'll see their head will go this way and their jaw kind of goes back against it like that. Mm -hmm. It's the same, same orientation. 
you know, when, when I saw this picture, I thought this guy is uh, so narrow. I thought he was pushed forward on the left and even and even went towards the right. And the way I, I looked at that uh, was that even though his left leg is oriented outward more, like his uh-huh. feet are turning more, his right foot is turned out, is turning uh-huh. out more like he's rolling on that edge of the foot. Uh, uh-huh. Kind of like what I see in squats or in poles or extensions. Yeah. My athletes. And he's also got that side bend on the right. Yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any question. Like, like he's, he's, like I said, you, you just look at his eyes. Like he's trying to get yeah. everything over that way. Yeah. Cause yeah. normally he's, what right. I see, he's over to the right. Yeah. Like if I saw somebody that was just compressed on the left and forward, he would be kind of side bending on that left side, getting pushed down and forward. And then, but if he gets to the right, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're on point. I think you're on point with that. Yeah, I mean, you just you see, you see the. You yeah, see he's the, gonna he's gonna be on the edge of the toe. Oh yeah. yeah, and I see that when I see lifters who are narrow and push forward and left when they have extension, they have that same kind of foot orientation. There, it's like I, I won't disagree with that at all. Yeah, yeah, I think you're on point. Yeah.